Evening. I was just thinking, uh, actually, while we were singing the, the marching to Zion song, uh, I was thinking about when Jesus told uh, his followers that, you know, one day they'd be shining like the sun in the kingdom of their father. And uh, just how real, it's like we're here together now, you know, but uh, just to think that we're going to be with each other also for all eternity, you know, just no more sin, no more sadness, no more death, no more uh, lostness around us, and uh, just God in one another in the presence of God. Well, maybe we can pray uh, one more time. Lord, uh, just come before you in the name of your Son and ask you that you might bless your word, Lord, and that you might encourage your people and that your name would be glorified tonight. And, uh, Lord, that your church would be brought on, Lord, that uh, you'd help us to march onward, Lord, to, to press on, Lord, to reach higher, Lord, to see more of your faithfulness, more of your goodness, more of your glory, Lord, and that you'd give us grace to believe you more, Lord. And just look to you for help, pray for your blessing, Lord. Pray that you'd be honored, that you'd be esteemed, you'd be loved, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 6, if you would, please. Matthew chapter 6, and starting, actually only, verse 9. Jesus said, Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven. And that's all that we'll be reading. Our Father uh, who is in heaven. And uh, I had this text actually put on my heart a few weeks ago after Charles asked me to share last Wednesday, but then he asked me again. Um, but to speak on the reality of God and in that he is both our Father and in heaven. You have both aspects of, this, uh, of the person of God. And we see that in, in the sense that he is Father and that he's intimate, personal, concerned, right there with his people and alongside his people. And then this other attribute, not just, not just intimate, but also the God who is far above and transcendent our Father who is in heaven, and that is uh, above all, sovereign, um, all-powerful, things, things of that nature. And um, so I wanted to share some thoughts uh, about this reality, in particular in the reality and the amazing reality that uh, we can come to God as our Father. And, um, but first, uh, just to say, um, uh, just to read you some verses maybe, um, that, I, that came to my mind when I was thinking about these two different realities. The first, you don't have to turn to these. Uh, we'll only turn to one of them. But the first reality being then uh, that God is intimate and personal. And uh, quoting the Lord Jesus there in Matthew 10, 29 through 31, Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from, the, apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. And uh, he's saying that in the context of being afraid and, and men persecuting them and this and that. And, uh, but just the reality, the concern of God that's shown, shown here, that for, for the children of God, all of your hairs are numbered. God's intimately concerned with every detail uh, uh, of our lives. Another one, the Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. 
He will exalt over you with joy. He will be quiet or be still in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. And that's from Zephaniah 3.17. And uh, again, we see the nearness. He's in your midst, and he's rejoicing over you. He's not a father that's um, uh, distant and far away, but rather very much for you, rejoicing over you on your side and uh, not against you. Another one, Psalm 36 and verse 7. How precious is your loving kindness, O God, and the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. And so here, here again you have this, this, this comes up repeatedly in the Psalms. Of, you could imagine like a bird sheltering uh, under its wings, its chicks, and the reality that that, that is the way God is uh, with his children, intimate, personal, and uh, concerned, protective. And um, as for the other reality, who, our Father who is in heaven, Second uh, Chronicles 20 and verse 6, O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And are you not ruler over the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand, so that no one can stand against you. In Psalm 115, verse 3, But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. And um, here we see that God reigns on high. He's, he's the God that's in heaven. He's the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. Uh, the great God of glory. And let's turn to this one, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. The Lord showed me this text two years ago, and I've always really liked it. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, and starting in verse 1. Guard your steps as you go near, as you go to the house of God, and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know they are doing evil. Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. And so, very clear, you know, when you're approaching God, uh, there ought to be some trembling. There ought to be fear and reverence and a reality, a weightiness about it. I don't know if you've ever been in kind of a light-hearted type mood or been joking around a lot, but right after that, if you try to go and pray to God, it's almost kind of it's difficult. You know, it's like trying to switch completely over. Uh, but when we when we're coming to God in prayer or in any any situation, you know, there ought to be this reality of this distance. He's holy. He's set apart. He's sovereign. And um, so those were just a few of the texts that I wanted to to begin with, just to, uh, some food for thought. Um, but also to say that there are there's the danger of false views, and uh, there's two. Usually, within truth, you can either go one side or the other. And um, the first one that I thought of, um, uh, for instance, you could say it's in hyper Calvinism. Um, the idea, you know, God is sovereign; He's way up there. You know, He's He's above and beyond. Which those things are true and they're real. Or even in Islam, you know, they'll say the same thing: God is sovereign; He's transcendent; He's He's in heaven. And uh, you know, but it goes too far because uh, the other side is not kept. And what happens is, you know, well, God will do what he will do. You know, how dare you pray to him and think that you can ask, you know, that you know better as to what to ask or this or that. And those things are false. They're not true. It's, it's not real um, because the Lord Jesus taught us to pray and promised that if we did pray, he would hear. And he will do what he will, but it's through the means of prayer. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, in Islam... Uh, it's so much so, if, you went, if you're in Islam and you got down on your knees to pray and you started saying, Father, 
you know, someone to backhand you right away because, I mean, that's completely unheard of. It's totally, uh, you know, it's, it's like it's blasphemy in their eyes. And it's because they don't know God. They don't know what God is really like. They have a false view of God. But then the, the other side of the coin, I'm sure you, some of you have had to experience this at some point. Uh, if you're around different branches of Christianity, I experienced it within liberalism, uh, is the Jesus is your buddy type side of things. You know, where there is no reverence and there is no fear before God, but, uh, you know, he's a, it's very obvious as soon as someone opens their mouth to pray that they have no conception of who they're speaking to. You know, he's little more than another person. He's little more than a tribal deity or something like that that, that uh, a Hindu might pray to. Uh, these, I've actually talked to one guy before that said he, he, he was comfortable calling God his friend, but he could never s- feel comfortable calling God his master. And so it just goes to show he's never, he never really seen. He never really, you know, when the Apostle Paul met the Lord, he fell down. And that's what happens to all men. You know, they're humbled immediately. And uh, he shows that he is God. Uh, and now to the reality, though, and that is, as Jesus said, pray them this way, our Father who is in heaven. And, that, and the reality is that he is both. And the first thing I want to talk about was the miracle of this fact, that uh, if you can imagine... Uh, living 2,000 years ago. And if you could press your way through the crowds to hear what this man is saying, and you, you barely just get close enough just to hear what he's saying, and you hear, you hear him saying things like, all things have been handed over to, be my, to, to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son will reveal him, to whom the Son will reveal him. And if you, you could hear him teaching his followers, telling them, pray, pray like this. When you're talking to God, call him our Father. You know, we're used to these things. But, uh, you know, think of how radical it would be. They're, they're approaching God. He's saying, yeah, pray like this. This person that you're praying to, the God of glory, the creator of, the creator of heaven and earth, you're going to call him your Father? And, uh, you know, how, how can these things uh, be so? Uh, but the first thing to notice uh, back in Matthew chapter 6 um, is that he's teaching to his disciples. Uh, in other words, to call God your father is not something just for everyone or to be thrown about lightly. You know, I'm, I'm sure Jesus knew, but I'm not sure the Apostle Paul could ever have imagined that there would come a day within, I don't know how, how big is Christendom, it's supposed to be somewhere around one-third of the earth, uh, you know, saying our Father who art in heaven prayer repeatedly before they go to bed at night. I don't think he had any idea that it was going to go so far as to have masses of people in every tongue calling God Father uh, when, when in their life they demonstrated otherwise. And um, what that is is mockery. Jesus, the Bible teaches that, uh, you know, there's one of, two, one of two options. Either your Father is God or your Father is the devil. And your life demonstrates it. It says that in First John. It demonstrates the truth, uh, the reality. So it's, it's common to hear, though, I mean, if you're on a college campus or if you're anywhere, really, you know, oh, well, you know, we're all God's children. You know, that's a very common thing to hear. And, you know, people, people don't like it very much when you point out and say, actually, no, you know, that's not true. You know, not everyone is, is a child of God. Uh, they'll get, people will get mad at you. Uh, but the Bible, as we know, teaches that by nature it's not so. It says in Ephesians chapter 2 that by nature men are children of wrath and that they're children of the devil and that uh, far from being man naturally having a relationship of father and son, 
intimacy with God. It's not that way at all. Uh, it's rather the, the relationship of a judge and a criminal. And as a lost man, uh, you, you, don't, you don't come to God as your father. You, you've got serious problems. You have sin hanging over your shoulders and judgment looming and a very righteous and holy and just judge that's, that is determined to do justice. And um, so it, the, fir- the first thing is that it's a miracle that anyone would ever utter a, a voice to God and say, Father. And the question is, how, how can that be in light of sin, in light of being alienated because of our sins and because of our guilt? Uh, how can it be that you would ever approach God as Father? And the answer is that it's obviously something through what, from what God has already done, uh, that he sent his only son and that Christ bore sin in the body and that he paid for sins, thereby abolishing the wall that was there. And uh, Paul says that you're adopted as sons through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, in other words, it's a purchased blessing. And uh, a text that I thought of were, uh, was, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become. He gave them power to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so uh, these, the, it's a privilege to be able to call God Father. And... Uh, it's not normal. It's, it's something supernatural. It's miraculous that, that a man could ever look, look to heaven and say, My Father. And, um, and it's through Christ. It's through being born of God. And it says to those that received him, to those that believe him. And for some of you, the only reason you can't call God Father is because you won't believe on him. You won't uh, throw all, all of yourself on him and trust him and look to him alone to save you. Uh, the next thought um, uh, that I had was the privilege of being able to call God Father. And uh, I, I thought about this. Actually, this thought came from Spurgeon. Um, but if you were to go outside right now, and if the skies, if it wasn't snowing, if the sky was clear, and you were to count the stars and start uh, thinking about how vast and how what a powerful and great God it is that has created the world. If you were to go to Mount Everest, or better yet, if you were just to go out a thousand hills and just look at the creation around you and think, what, uh, what a great God. Um, and then to ponder a verse like uh, 1 John uh, um, chapter 3 and verse 1, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called uh, children of God. Uh, just the, the miracle. Um, it's one thing if your dad is, you know, the president of the United States, you know, and I mean, there's a lot of benefits that would come with that. It's another thing if your dad's a king or this or that or Michael Jordan, you have all the fame and popularity, but it's quite another thing when your father is the, the one that made the stars and that upholds everything uh, by his power. Uh, so the privilege and then uh, the reality of it, uh, that, that our father, that our God, uh, cares for, provides, and protects. And I wanted to look at a familiar passage in, in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and starting in verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. 
that they do not sow nor weep nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then, saying, What will we eat or what will we drink? What will we wear uh, for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So obviously the point of what Christ is saying is if, if God, the Father of all, the Creator of all, if he takes care, if he's concerned about sparrows, about the, the, the lesser of creation, and about grass growing in this and that, how much more is he going to be concerned about you? Is he going to be watchful over you and taking care of you? And um, um, yeah, so, but uh, Spurgeon, I like this quote, he said, he that feeds the ravens uh, won't let the children starve. You know, you know the, I think he said something about, uh, you know, a good farmer. He goes out, he knows that he needs to feed the cattle, he knows that he needs to feed the pigs and this and that. You know, how is he going to forget his own children? And it's the same way with God. And I actually had a, a quote. Uh, this is from uh, Hudson Taylor's two-volume biography. It's really good. Um, but this, this really stuck out to me when I read it a while ago. Um, human nothing and divine sufficiency, the one just as real as the other, was the atmosphere of those last days at Corbin Street. Okay, so right now uh, he's been discouraged with the other mission societies. He's come back from China after his evangelistic journeys, and he's, they're just now signed off the name CIM, China Inland Mission, for the first time. And they're about to go out there in the frontiers and begin the work with these other missionaries. None could come and go without feeling it. Among packing cases and bundles, the Saturday prayer meetings were held, friends from afar and near, crowding the room, sitting up the staircase and on anything that came to hand. Upon the wall still hung the great map. On the table lay the open Bible and all else was lost sight of. Our great desire and aim, Mr. Taylor had written in his pamphlet, are to plant the standard of the cross in the 11 provinces of China, hitherto unoccupied in the Chinese Tartary. A foolhardy business, said those who saw only difficulties. A superhuman task, sighed others who wished them well. And many, even of their friends, could not but be anxious. You will be forgotten, was their chief concern of some. With no committee to represent you at home, you will be lost sight of in that distant land. Claims are many nowadays. Before long, you will find yourselves without even the necessities of life. And this is uh, Mr. Taylor's answer. I am taking my children with me, was Mr. Taylor's reply, and I notice that it is not difficult for me to remember that the little ones need breakfast in the morning, dinner, and at midday, and something to eat before they go to bed at night. Indeed, I could not forget it, and I find it impossible to suppose that our Heavenly Father is less tender or mindful than I. And I thought that was uh, just a really good quote. Uh, that if, if, he, if he couldn't forget his kids, how much more God is going to provide and take care of his children that are, that are stepping out in faith and uh, proving that he is there, that he's there to catch us. If you think about it, 
if 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 it were this way, where God were just one or the other, uh, not all sovereign and all powerful, but uh, and intimate. But if He were just one or the other, if God were like an earthly father, uh, He might care very much for you, uh, but at the same time lack the sufficient means to provide for you. Or uh, He could be very powerful; He could be all powerful. And yet, if there's no intimacy, if there's no desire, uh, then then He would be unwilling. Uh, but we ought to be thankful and rejoice that you know God. God is not like that. Not either way. He's not. Um, I don't know if you've seen in old movies uh, like you know maybe in England where the the disinterested businessman father would would send off the child to boarding school. You know he's kind of just in the way, and uh, uh, the kid would have to fend for himself and it'd be a hard time in this or that. Uh, he's not like that, or he's not like uh, in the, you might hear in stories the loving father. That because he's so poor, he can't he can't provide for his child, so he has to give it up for adoption. And the good news is that God's not like either one of those uh, those people, but He's able uh, and willing. So, uh, just just some encouraging thoughts uh, in terms of application. Uh, I was thinking, you know, if we could just really believe these things, you know, it would change the entire next year, change the rest of our lives. You know, if we could just see clearly. Uh, that he really is our father in heaven and that he really uh, you know I was thinking every time you come before God and you're saying you know father in heaven what you're really saying is you know you who are able and willing you know that's what it means that he's our father in heaven and um, it's there's no greater blessing but we we ought to be the most confident people on the face of the earth Uh, not in ourselves but just in light of all these truths you know to step out in faith to take risks to believe God to believe him when we pray, you know that he cares. We have an open ear; he's willing uh, to listen. You know the same the same one that said, "I'll be with you always to the very end of the age." Said, "I have all authority in heaven and on earth." You know both of them are there, and uh, just praise the Lord. That, you know we get the privilege of serving Him and not uh, false God, but the real, the real and living God. Right, I guess I'll leave you with one last quote: uh, "Do not be afraid, little flock." For your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom.